you can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app. Paramount Plus and the National Park Foundation present A Mountain of Zen. Are you still listening? Good. Take a deep breath. You needed a break. This Earth Week, you can live stream seven national parks for seven days on Paramount Plus. So, yes, you can literally stream a stream. Paramount Plus, official streaming partner of the National Park Foundation. This is Chris Fetters of Dogman.com, and I'm here with Scott Eklund, our recruiting editor. And, man, it's Friday morning early. We're trying to get some stuff here going because, man, it's it's just been <laughs> this last weekend and this weekend are just some crazy weekends right now for Washington recruiting. So we wanted to get in touch, put something together for you guys to not only – talk about the guys that came through the door this past weekend, junior day and some seven on seven stuff and all this other stuff going on. But then also the big weekend that's happening starting right now, pretty much and going through the weekend as well. So, um, man, Scott, it's uh, kind of crazy because not only do you have those events going on, but you also have walk-ons that are committing for 2023. They're kind of, this is how you've kind of finished out classes it was is with some of these walk-on guys, yeah. and then we'll take a quick break after that, and then we'll start talking about this weekend some of the guys that people should really follow. Uh, follow, and then you've got some updates on some of the portal guys, Dylan Johnson. We can talk a little bit about the quarter quarterback situation. Like everyone wants to know what's going on with Jalen Rashada, or is it Jaden or Jalen? I can't remember. Uh, it is Jaden Rashada. Jaden, that's right. And yep. so uh, we will talk a little bit about that at the end. We're teasing that, teasing that a little bit, I understand, but uh, we're 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 gonna go backwards a week real quick here and talk about some of these guys that visited this last weekend. But really wanted to start with the guys that are gonna be Huskies for sure starting this fall, if not earlier. I can't remember if if any of those geese, these guys plan on enrolling for spring. But talk to us a little bit about Royce Cleland, legacy recruit, mm-hmm. obviously his dad, Cam Cleland, does the the play by play on the radio with Tony Castrocone. And then also uh, Ryder Bumgarner from Stanwood, kind of an all-purpose Swiss Army guy who's been an all-league guy a couple times, uh, two years in a row, I think, on both sides of the ball. So Washington's getting some quality uh, you know, guys from the Northwest to stay at home instead of take offers to maybe some smaller schools. Yeah, well, let's start off with Royce. Uh, plays at Jesuit Center. Um, he's about six. I think he said he measured in just under 6'4". I think he was like 6'3 and a half. And uh, 300 pounds, and he's going to uh, enroll at Washington and be an interior guy, most likely a center, at least to start off. But they told him he could play any of the three spots. Um, had offers from some uh, – from Yale, I think. I think it was Yale, and I don't have it in front of me, but Yale and um, a couple smaller schools, uh, USD, University of San Diego, 
Um, and I think there was one other one. And he was getting really heavy interest from uh, most of the rest of the Ivy League, uh, Brown, Harvard, Princeton, Columbia. All those schools were looking at him. And for those people who don't know, um, with the Ivy League schools and a school like USD, they don't offer uh, athletic scholarships. What they do offer is need-based financial aid when you get accepted accepted there as a a regular student. So so I – uh, you know, that just tells you how smart the guy is and that some of these schools were looking to bring him in, even even though, he, you know, they weren't offering him scholarships at that point in time. OK, so essentially and then we also just wanted to make sure that people understand, you know, when these guys come in and they say they're verbally committed to a school, they're still eligible to be recruited. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah. they're 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 not it's not done and dusted. Even even guys with scholarships who get recruited and commit, obviously there's nothing done and dusted until they sign a national letter of intent. But in the case of walk-on guys, it's absolutely 100% true because they, you know, bottom line is they're still they're not going to sign anything. They're not going to sign a scholarship letter. They're not going to do any of that stuff. So it's one of those things where even if you hear that a walk-on player is verbally committed to a school. They still have all sorts of options in front of them. The other thing I just wanted to add, too, is that I think that six walk-ons total that have verbally committed for 2023, joining all the other scholarship guys and portal guys and whoever that have already signed letters of intent or are already enrolled on campus in the in the case of a few of them. So. You've got Royce Cleland. You've got Ryder Bumgarner. Mm-hmm. I think you've got uh, the receiver Keenan Koontz. Yep, from uh, Mead. From yep. Mead. And then you've got the the place kicker, Troy Petz from Linden, who mm-hmm. could be very important because he could end up being the guy who does the kickoffs if, in fact, Grady Gross becomes the guy that replaces Peyton Henry, which yep. it seems like, at least on paper, that's what we would They were seen. definitely grooming him that way. Yes, yes. exactly, because he did, obviously, the kickoffs this year. And then you've got uh, a couple. You've got uh, offensive lineman from North Thurston out of Olympia, Aiden Anderson, and then also an Idaho receiver from Rocky Mountain High School in Meridian named mm-hmm. Luke Lucchini. And so, you know, they're they're just slowly but surely kind of building yeah. this thing back up because you lose some of these important guys. I know they've always had some of those receiver DB guys that have worked out in the past that have helped them scout, and now they're bringing in their next crew. Do you, are there any of any of those other guys do you think Washington fans should really look out for um, other than maybe pets? Cause he, he kind of fills an immediate need. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, he's the one that's probably going to see the most playing time right away. <laughs> you yeah, know, and I the mean, other thing too, they understand is that he's a, he's a full on uh, specialist so he can punt and kick mm-hmm. and you know that, and, and Washington's only going to have Jack McAllister back because uh, Kevin Ryan graduates. Mm-hmm. So you know we could see him. We could see him maybe option as a punter or as a kickoff. Yeah, guy. he's he's looking at being a uh, punter. Um, yeah. You know they're bringing him in as a punter, and I think they're grooming him that way. I I think they liked what they saw from from uh, Jack McAllister, but I'm not sold that he's the guy yet. I, I think they definitely want to bring someone to challenge him and, you know, to push uh greedy gross as well. I wouldn't be surprised if you see a play, another place kicker brought in as well. So we'll, we'll just have to wait and see. But, um, at, you know, as far as, you know, productive guys, I mean, Ryder Bumgarner is just, his stats just jump off the page. Oh yeah. I mean, what he rushed for almost 3000 yards last year. Well, I was going to say, so Stanwood had a quarterfinal game in the state three, a, 
tournament this this last couple, just a couple months ago. Yep. He he had three touchdown runs, and then he also was their leading passer. And which I don't think really it's kind of damning faint praise because I think he had less than 40 yards passing because obviously it sounds like they're primarily a running team. They do. Yep. They run the, the wing tee. And it's funny because he's 195 pounds. So he's, he's still a pretty well built guy for being 5'9", 5'10". But he's basically their fullback. And so he's used to just getting that that run up the gut and then trying to make something happen. Mm-hmm. So he had three touchdowns rushing through the was basically their their leading passer and he also caught a pass for a touchdown mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. i mean that's just it's like uh it's like what Penix tried to do in the apple cup you know go, yep. for, go for that trifecta except for mm-hmm. the except for clearly the the three touchdowns running out I, I don't know if he had those but um i thought that was really really interesting because you don't see that very very often um you know, guys running the ball like that and then even throwing and catching passes like that, too. So and then also he's again an all league. I think he was an all league DB. And then now he's an all league linebacker because he's got a little bit bigger, faster, stronger. Um, so, yeah, very intrigued to see what he does as well. I was very curious too, um, Scott, just about the idea of, you know, because we're going to we're going to start now talking a little bit about what all the weekend visitors from this last weekend, because these, this, this last weekend and this weekend have been the big weekends, huge weekends for Washington to kind of show off what they're doing. And yeah. it looks like the rain is starting to, to lessen a little bit. So I think the <laughs> sun's going to come out a little bit more, a little bit later today, and uh, it should be a nice weekend, hopefully. But, you know, I'm kind of curious how much these seven on seven tournaments and some of these passing leagues and things like this, have really impacted Washington's ability to attract guys from outside, not just the Northwest, but outside their natural recruiting foot, footprint, outside of California, outside of maybe even just the West Coast in general, because we're seeing a ton of guys coming in from a lot of different parts of the country. Yeah, yeah. And I think a big a big thing is um, the so last weekend, one of the re- big reasons why we saw so many guys from all over the country come in is because there was a pile on seven on seven. And I don't think it's uh, a, a thing with pylon, but I think they do it in conjunction. There's a five on five tournament and that's for linemen on both sides that where they they do they do grading and and and, um, you know, give points for different things and, and have teams win stuff and all that. Yeah. So, so just to let people know, this is kind of a new newer or newish development, at least as far as, you know, seven on seven was always the thing going into these passing leagues. It was always basically just skill guys on both sides of the ball. So you'd have your receivers against your DBs. You'd have your running backs against linebackers. You'd have those one on one matchups in space and in air. But now you're adding this five on five component, which allows schools like Washington, who may not necessarily be able to attract a bunch of guys coming in from other parts of the country. But now you're bringing in their linemen, which before, if you guys were doing passing leagues, if they were doing some of these other big events, Taylor Barton's done a ton of them in the past. He's doing uh, one this weekend. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. but Air has done a bunch. Uh, Tracy Ford's done a bunch in the past. These guys were, they were all doing just seven on seven events. Now you're seeing the linemen getting involved and getting their share. And that really adds to the mix, I think, because that adds a whole new element. Now, all of a sudden, instead of just expecting to see some of these skill guys show up on your campus 
in conjunction mm-hmm. with a tournament that they're running maybe a day before, day after, whatever. Now, all of a sudden, you're getting all those big guys as well. I think that's huge. Oh, it absolutely was. I mean, there's there was a few of them that, that were um, – that brought guys and the the main one was California power. And I don't know who leads that, but whoever, I think he is a guy who is a former Husky, uh, Ryan Porter. Um, he was a quarterback, right? Yes. Former, yeah. Former call, uh, quarterback. Yeah. So. I'm not a hundred percent sure if he leads it, but I know that he was with California power and, um, that that's why guys like, uh, where is it? Eddie Pierre Lewis, uh, offensive defensive lineman from uh, Florida came up. That's why Ben Howard came up with, from modern day down in California. Uh, Marcus Easley was here last weekend. He's another big, big time guy. I talked to him the other night. Uh, Peter Lange came up. Uh, he's a 2025 guy that Washington's really after Brandon Baker. Um, another big one, but David Stone was kind of the, the biggest name of the group. He's a top 10 player in the entire country, uh, Florida defensive lineman from IMG. He's actually from Oklahoma originally, but he's, he plays at IMG and, um, he came up and he's a consensus five star from all the services. Um, I think he's ranked ninth overall in the, um, two, four, seven composite, but I think he's sixth overall in the two, four, seven database. And, uh, yeah, big time guy. And the, the visit so impressed him that he's planning to make another unofficial visit up on his own dime, not having being paid for by his five on five team. And then he's looking at also coming up and taking an, an official visit. He said he liked it so much. So, you know, I mean, you, you can't win recruiting battles unless you get these guys on campus. So, you know, even if it might be a little remote for Washington to get a top 10 guy for all the way from Florida, who, who had never really been west of the Mississippi very much, um, you know, I mean, other than Oklahoma, you know, for to, for Washington to get him up on campus, it's huge. And it's show, it's it's spreading their footprint, spreading their brand. And uh, Chris, like you said, it, you know, getting getting the linemen, because Washington was always able to get the skill guys in because of the seven on seven tournaments up here. But now these five on five tournaments that are starting to spring up and pop up all over the place. It's going to help Washington a lot if they can get some of those kids and convince some of those kids. And and a lot of that goes back to the relationship that Courtney Morgan has with different seven-on-seven, five-on-five trainers, all that kind of stuff all over the country. He doesn't just have them here on the West Coast, doesn't even have them just in Texas. They're all over the place, and that is where Washington's really making some some headway. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. And, and obviously, you've listed a few of the top guys that were here this last weekend. I wanted to focus on... To begin with, we'll, we'll come back to that list a little bit for you can focus on some other guys that you really, really liked. I'm really curious about the idea of Washington going and getting unofficial visits from kids who are already committed to other schools. Yeah. And, and clearly the lines have been so blurred and so uh, kind of disjointed now with NIL and with all the other things going on and clearly making very, very early commitments now. It's it's worth the paper they you know they use to sign it on, which is they yep. don't they don't use any paper to sign anything like that. Well, now. Washington knows that clearly more than anybody else right now after what happened last year. Yeah, and so but I was very curious about your thoughts on C.J. Carr, quarterback who's committed to Notre Dame, and running back Kobe Boykin, who, who you spoke with, who's recruited who's uh, committed to Utah, 
And they were able to get both those guys to come up. Now, was it just a coincidence based on their seven on seven teams? Or, or do you think that these guys are legitimately interested in what Washington has to offer? Yeah, it. I'd say uh, Carr's situation was simply because his seven on seven team was here and he was like, I'll go check out Washington. Um, I have not been able to speak with him. He's kind of gone radio silent. I think my guess is he doesn't want to say too much about Washington since Notre Dame is where he wants to go. He's from Michigan. So, you know, it's how how far is Michigan from Notre Dame? I don't know. Like. Two hour flight, maybe hour hour flight, maybe. Well, it depends because you know, it it's so it's right. Literally, there yeah. the you can be a you can be fifteen minutes away yeah. living in Michigan from uh, South Bend or a half yeah. hour away. So yeah, I think it all depends on what part of Michigan. Yeah, Michigan he is. Yeah, I don't know exactly where he lives, but you know, he, he's not far. And and they they made him a priority and made and got him to commit. And I talked to somebody close to his recruitment and they laughed when I wanted the phone number. And I just said, hey, we just want to see what he has to say. I, you know, he might not flip. And this person was like, yeah, he's not flipping, but go for it. Here you go. And I just haven't been able to speak to him. So, you know, we'll see what happens. But um, the other, uh, you know, as far as Boykin, Washington hasn't offered him yet, but he's been talking with Coach Marks for a long time. The two of those. Those guys, those two guys have been have formed a really strong relationship and Washington hasn't offered yet. If they offer, I could see him at least listening to what they have to say. But right now he just said, you know, they haven't offered me. I really enjoyed my visit my first time up there, really. And and, uh, you know, I haven't I I took a a trip there and and I liked it. I had a good time. I continued to build on my relationship with uh coach marks but um i'm committed to utah right now and and if things change then things change but right now that's that's where i'm planning to go so okay that's kind of you you know getting guys on campus this early in the process is is just more of a uh, i don't know foot in the door uh, an icebreaker kind of a situation it's when you get down to the nitty-gritty in the summer and then during the season is really when when things you know crap gets real kind of stuff and and um when these guys get closer to making decisions and closer to making you know when they want to end things and when they don't want to focus on that anymore they just want to focus on their senior season and a lot of these kids will tell us that that's why they commit in the summer and then all of a sudden they're opening things up again (laughs) you're just like okay so that was just the line you know so um i'd say right now not to read too much into it other than that they were with their seven on seven teams and had the opportunity to come up to the university of washington but if things get a little a little bit uh more serious you know in the summer we'll be all over that and we'll let you guys know hey this is something that that you guys definitely need to keep an eye on yeah and that's kind of the nuts thing that you, you kind of spelled it out a little bit there scott but you know he, Back in the day, this would be like the opening salvo. You know, this would be like, oh, they got these guys in front of official visits. This is going to set something up. You, you talked about David Stone, for instance, the top mm-hmm. top recruit from IMG, who's going to be a top 10 guy. Now, he, he, I don't know, you know, if he'll stay there over the course of the ratings and rankings evaluations during the entire, uh, you know, recruiting cycle. But that's a guy there that normally you wouldn't necessarily get in the door if you're Washington. But nowadays, these guys are are trying to get as much done as they can now because it's only going to be a few months later where they can start taking official visits. Yep. That's unheard of back in the day. We, mm-hmm. I mean, when I say back in the day, we're only talking five years ago. Yep. Even, even five years ago, we'd be, we'd be going, well, guys are, are, are going to either commit to a school 
by taking unofficial visits during camps and stuff in the summer, or they're going to wait until their senior seasons are over and then take their official visits like the first couple weekends in December before the mid-year sign. This is, you know, we're even talking maybe before the mid-year signing period, but even during the initial years of the mid-year signing period, those first two weekends in December were so huge. Now we're talking about the first two weekends in maybe May or June. Yeah. Be make or break official visit weekends for these guys. So even though it feels like the mid-year signing period for 2023 just happened and it literally did like a month ago, mm-hmm. <laughs> or I guess five weeks ago, now we're already saying, well, if those guys don't necessarily make it on campus now, then teams like Washington haven't necessarily been able to get the groundwork done that they need to in order to attract the kind of guys that they want to attract. But clearly with the, with the list of guys that you put together in your recruiting blog, I believe on the 23rd, it was, there was a lot of interest. And again, yes, we're seeing a lot of crossover with the guys that are here for their seven on seven teams, but we're also seeing a lot of guys that are kind of like, you know what? I need to get up there and they'll do their little mini world tours as I would call them. Yep. They'll go to Washington. They'll go to Oregon. They'll they'll hit the Northwest schools while they're here. And then maybe if they're not from the area, if they're not from the region, maybe then they'll have another weekend where if there's a seven on seven tournament in Northern California, they'll go to Cal, Stanford, whatever. Mm. Or if it's in the L.A. area, they hit USC, they hit UCLA. Maybe they go down to San Diego State, whatever. These all these things are happening now, whereas before we would be talking about these types of things in the summer. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, basically all it did, all the early signing period did was move things back about three or four months or move up, I guess, move them up about three or four months. Yeah. You know, but, and but, and everything, but everything gets sped up on the, on that front end. Yeah. Because, because now you're seeing, because you had a, you had a, a, a huge list of guys. I, I mean, I don't know what the general number is, but we're talking about probably upwards of, of 30 to 40 guys. Yeah. And there were more than that. Those are the guys, the notable guys. Right. Yeah, and, yeah. but there's literally maybe a full third of those guys are 2025 guys, for instance. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So when you talk about what guys like Courtney Morgan are trying to get accomplished with, with recruiting and getting in the door and, and knowing uh, the seven on seven guys that they know and, and all that kind of stuff, they're laying the groundwork, not just to really put the push ahead for the 2024 guys, but now they're really putting the seed in the minds of the 2025 guys. And there was even some 2026 guys that you mentioned. Yep. Um, yep. You mentioned for, for, for instance, um, the Sean modern Scott. day, yeah, the yeah. modern day guys that came in, Sean Scott is going to be a hotly recruited guy for 2026 already. Because mm-hmm. of his measurables, I don't I don't remember exactly what he is, but he's what six six three six four two three. Yeah, all right, he's three already? six three and two two fifteen two twenty something like yeah, that. As a, ninth, as a ninth grader, I mean, yeah. it's like okay. Um, so you know, you, you were already seeing all these things being uh, all the all the progress being laid. Um, I know we're going to talk about Austin Max specifically in the second half because of, of Washington's quarterback recruiting in general. Mm-hmm. But I know you spoke to him. I know you spoke to a couple receivers, Philip Bell for 2025, uh, Dylan Gresham. Any other guys that you really got a chance to talk to and any other guys that you think Washington fans should really focus in on as guys that were targets that were here uh, at Montlake and on campus mm-hmm. this last weekend? Yeah, well, um, I did talk to uh, the top offensive lineman in Hawaii. Actually, he's a top player in, in Hawaii for the 2024 class, at least right now. 
he is. Um, that's Preston Talmua um, from IAEA. And um, this is actually his second time that he'd been in Washington. The first time was last uh, September. I think it was the first night of um, high school football up here. It was Thursday. It was a Thursday night game, and it was the Thursday before Labor Day weekend. And he they came up and played Woodenville. And okay. so this is his first time up here since then. And th- that time he did not stick around for Washington's game with Kent State. They flew back the next day. Um, IAEA did. But um, he said he just he loved how green everything was. And he said it kind of reminded him of home. He says, obviously, it's not as hot or stuff, but he goes there. It's still really green and you can go into areas and, and see see all the forests and all that different stuff. And that was something that he really liked. Came up here uh, last weekend um, for his five on five tournament. He's also on that power um, that um, Cali, uh, California power team. And he uh, he showed up in shorts and a T-shirt and uh, got a little rude awakening to the cold of Washington. He said, yeah, that was a little colder than I was expecting. And I got made fun of by my coaches because they're like, you're in Washington. What are you doing? <laughs> kind of thing. So um, but he he had a really good time. It's actually the first time you ever get a chance to talk to Coach Huff because the person that's been recruiting him has been in OK Brechterfield. But they want him as an offensive lineman, not a defensive guy. And, um, you know, Brechterfield just handles the island. So that's why he's been mainly talking with him. But um, he really hit it off with Scott Huff. And he said he's planning to he's looking at scheduling uh, another visit up to the University of Washington, whether that's an unofficial or official. We'll have to wait and see. But, um, you know, he's got a lot of schools after him, Alabama, Ohio State, Oklahoma, Oregon. Oregon's probably his top school right now. Um, but Arizona's after him really hard too. So this is a guy who, uh, he, and he's versatile. He's six, four. So he's kind of that tweener. He could play tackle if needed. Um, but he's probably more of an inside guy at the university of Washington. And, and, um, there's some schools recruiting him for tackle or, 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 and some for inside at guard, but, um, Washington is definitely an inside guy and, and he liked him and said, you know, he wants to see Tennessee, Arizona, Washington, Alabama, Ohio State. He starts listening. He goes, yeah, I think I need to mar- narrow some of those down. And I was like, yeah, probably. probably. So, so um, but yeah, you know, he, really nice kid. You can tell he's just kind of, um, I don't want to say oblivious because that makes him sound like he's an idiot. But he's he's not an idiot at all by any stretch. He's I think he's naive. Uh, just doesn't know how this all works. And it's all coming at him really, really fast. So. Um, just something to keep an eye on, and we'll be in touch with him. Really, really well spoken. He he actually reminds me a little of uh, Quo Pehapa in that we have. You, I might have if he ends up at the University of Washington, we might have to edit out some things because <laughs> there, okay. there was some blue uh, blue verbiage coming out of his mouth a couple times. It was pretty funny, but um, really nice kid, and had a fun time talking to him last night. Uh, as far as other guys, obviously, I talked to David Stone. Uh, I've been trying to reach some other guys. Um, Greg Biggins actually was able to reach out and talk with um, uh, shoot, Mi- Jason Mitchell. Um, okay. The uh, He's a defensive back. I think Washington is looking at him as a corner, but I like him more as a safety. Uh, just 6'3", 185. He's got that frame that he could easily add another 20 pounds. It'd be 205. 6'3", 205, free safety for you. Unbelievable. Uh, range, um, great athlete. He really enjoyed his time. And, um, and then they also talked to, uh, I think Greg also talked to Aaron Butler. Is that his name? Aaron Butler, the one who decommitted yeah. from USC. Yeah. He, um, he's actually 
is the first kid to set up an official visit to Washington. And okay. he well, set that up. Yeah, he set that up yesterday. Um, and it sounds like it's for June 23rd. That sounds like the big push for Washington because that's that might be the last. I think that's the last weekend that they can have players on campus before the the July um, and August dead period starts. So um, definitely keep an eye on that. That's that. I think that's the weekend. This last last year it was the 28th. I think was when they got everybody in. Yep. And had that big recruiting weekend and they ended up getting what was it? Was it 10 straight days of commits? I, good question. I'd have to go. Back it was ridiculous, it was, though. It yeah. was a ridiculous amount. And the, the guy who started it actually is Diesel Gordon. I made a mention of that yesterday um, that he's actually the one who got it started. And he had already taken a visit up to Washington he hadn't taken as official, but he took a visit up to Washington and committed the day before Anthony James. And then Anthony James is the one that started that domino effect. So, yeah, well, um, it, it clearly, Scott, just as a quick aside before before uh, you talk about some of these other guys from last weekend, mm-hmm. it, it is very interesting to kind of see the dynamic and how this staff wants to recruit guys, you know, and, and, and where they think they can really make hay, because there's a lot of schools out there that would push hard for verbal commits now and then maybe really try to lock it completely down during an official visit, whether that happens in May, June, or even in December, um, mm-hmm. depending on whatever that player p- player's specific situation is. It really feels like Courtney Morgan and this staff are really trying to get their foot in the door now with these two big, what I would call junior days, but maybe they they call them experiences or call them something whatever they're, they're calling whatever it they're, the husky husky experience. Yeah. yeah, whatever what you know. To me, it's a junior day. It's always been yep. a junior day, but that's that's just me. I'm old, but um, it feels like this is where they really lay the groundwork, and then they try to really narrow down based on their experiences, not just with these days, but also during the evaluations process in April when they're able to go back out on the road. And follow up with these kids and really get a sense of, okay, who's in, who's still, who's still really thinking about us, who have we really liked, and who did we get to know and really like. And then that's where they really tailor these, these official visits before the full on summer. Because like you said, they had, they had many, many days in a row where they got commit after commit after commit, and it wasn't just by happenstance. They had clearly thought out, okay, which group do we want to get on campus this weekend? Which group of guys do we feel like we want to get together because we want them to bond? We want them to get to know each other because we want them to see themselves as future teammates all together at the Mm -hmm. University of Washington. Now, a lot of people would call that peer pressure or whatever, but the idea of getting these guys started already as Huskies even as early as the summer before they ever sign anything. Yeah. It's is something that to me looks like this particular staff wants to use as a very powerful tool in their recruiting toolbox. And I'm not sure how you see that, but that's how that's how I saw it work out last year. And it feels yeah. like they're doing that again. Like I said, a lot of people will wonder, a lot of Washington fans, why aren't these guys pushing for commits now? They get them all on campus. They can really make a huge impression. These guys are obviously very impressionable. You talked about Preston Talmua, for instance, and how you know he's probably seeing things with eyes for the first time and is, is really wowed by these experiences. You know, why wouldn't you take advantage of that? Well, 
as they understand, and as you even pointed out earlier, these things can be very fleeting. They want when Washington wants to get a verbal commit from a player, they want it to be locked down as best as they can get it locked down and as best as you can in this environment, which isn't great. But you want to feel it's as secure and is as solid mm-hmm. as they can possibly make it. And that's how I'm seeing things work out. Yeah. And I, I think what people need to understand is um, where Washington is it uh, geographically, a lot of schools use that against them that are recruiting against them. So if Washington wants to go out and get a three or four star or five star guy from a different region out of outside the footprint, um, the schools that they're battling against are going to be a much closer to those kids. And they're going to say, Hey, you know, if, if your parents want to fly up there and, and see a game, they're only going to be able to, you know, fly one, you know, one time per day, you know, directly into Seattle. And I, I think that, that's something that Washington has to fight against and, and everything like that. So, um, you know, a lot of it is right now laying the groundwork for what happens later in the process. Some of that's going to happen in the summer. Some of it's going to happen during the season. Some of it's going to happen probably um, closer to December um, and, and then maybe even into January, depending on if kids wait or not. But um, I think. So last year, what I, I don't remember the exact number. I think it was 16. The Washington had 16 guys. When they kicked off against Kent State, they had 16 guys committed to the 2023 recruiting class. One of those guys departed that I can remember, and that was Lincoln Keenholz. But he, he didn't do that until very late in the process. Right. Um, that I remember everybody else wound up with the Huskies uh, that I can remember. I, that I might be wrong on that, but that I can remember, but this year, I don't think Washington's going to push to have basically the class done by the end of the summer. Um, I think they'd like to have about half their class in. They're going to take about 20 guys, maybe up to 22. So I could see nine to 11 guys somewhere in that range um, being committed, but I don't think they're going to push as hard on guys that they know that they can get better guys for, but they're still going to keep some of those guys on the hook that they like, but maybe don't like as much as some other guys and wait, kind of see to see how, what those other guys decide. And then, uh, and it's a, it's a real tough game of chicken that the coaches are playing. We've talked about it many times on the podcast before the coaches have to play this, this game of chicken sometimes where they could have a guy committed to them, but they push them off. Um, Wait, hoping to get another guy in that's a little bit better and and they they like a little bit more and then that guy doesn't commit well in the meantime the guy that you liked a lot and was ready to commit but you weren't ready to take the commit has gone out and found a new suitor and now you're either battling for him still or that guy has gone off and committed and said screw you guys i'm i'm going with the school that wants me and so it's a real tough game of chicken that that the coaches have to figure out they have to have a real good read on these kids um, they, that's why they, that's why they form these strong relationships with their parents as well. Um, possibly their girlfriends or even some of their best friends, their coaches, their trainers, you know, quote unquote handlers, whatever the coaches have to do all these different things in order to be able to make the read. Hey, we, this is a kid I think we can hold off on a little bit. I think he'll commit to us no matter who comes in on him because he likes us so much, but you know, we like player B a little bit more. So let's kind of wait and see. So um, I think you're going to see a little bit more of that. I don't think you're going to see as the kind of weekend that we saw at the end of June where we saw that, you know, week and a half process of 10, 10 straight days of commitments. I mean, it was insane. Chris, do you remember it was like 
Oh yeah. my God, another wolf. Yeah. <laughs> and, 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 and the nice thing about it is, to be honest, as a reporter who's looking for these things to happen and needs to be on top of these things, as you do, as I do, as anybody else does that covers these things, it's it's almost great the way that they set these things up because you know you know they're going to fall. You know that, that the guys are really close to making that decision. It's simply a matter of the timing. And the way they set it up, again, whether you call it peer pressure, whether you call it bonding, whatever you want to call it, that dynamic that exists when they bring all those guys together for an official visit and they roll out the red carpet and they show these guys the greatest time that they've ever had for 48 hours on a campus, you know it's going to happen. It's simply a matter of, okay, are they going to make the commitment on campus because maybe their families are there? Are they going to wait until they go home to talk to their families before making the decision? Do they want to have the allure of the visit wear off so that they, you know, they maybe wake up a week later, still have the same feelings and go, okay, if I still feel the same way, I'm going to make this decision. I'm going to commit because I, now I know it's legitimate. This is, I know this is how I feel about this school. They go through all that kind of process. So it's 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 not a matter of if it's going to happen, right? It's always just a matter at that point of when. And that's just, again, we all look for the woof. We all look on Twitter. We all figure out what DeBoer's doing. And as soon as that hits, then everybody goes scrambling to try to figure out who it is. And hopefully, we, if we've done our homework and we've done this thing right, we've already figured it out. But sometimes, you know, even the best best laid plans – uh, get blown up. And, and as you very well know, Scott, that can happen quite a bit. Before we hit a break real quick, any other guys from this last weekend that you want to focus on that, that Washington fans should know about? Um, you know, I, I think some of them are the the uh, wide receivers, uh, you know, those skill guys that, that came in. Uh, I hate calling them skill guys because I know that uh, offensive linemen and defensive linemen are very skilled too. But, uh, you know, those those uh, skill position players, um, you know, Quasi Gilmer is a guy that the Huskies like a lot. Um, uh, Derek McFall, the running back from four-star running back from Texas. Um, I'm still trying to get a hold of him, still working on getting a hold of him. Um, Jeremiah McClellan was in cam- on campus last weekend. He's a big-time guy. Philip Bell, that guy is absolutely ridiculous. He's a 2025 kid, so they've still got a year and a half on him. But my God, the numbers he put up um, and and on a really good team, too. So, um, you know, it's, you know, Dylan Gresham, you know, that's a guy who normally we'd be all over. And and I know Washington, but Washington would would take him in a heartbeat. But now I don't know if they'd take him right right away because they're they're in on so many other big time guys. He's from San Jacinto, the same school that Devon Banks and Vincent Holmes are from. So those are guys. Eddie Pierre Lewis is a guy I know the coaches like a lot. Um, he's another guy. So um, also remember real quick, uh, another 2025 guy that came into town, Jet White. Yep. If yep. I remember, he was originally committed to USC mm-hmm. and has opened things up. Is that correct? I, I thought that was Aaron Butler, but it might have been Jet White. Um, I think they may have both been. Yeah. Well, uh, Jet White and now on Twitter – uh, he calls um, Courtney Morgan, Jet White calls Courtney Morgan his uncle. Now, yeah. I don't know if that's actually his actual family uncle or if it's just kind of, you know, this is my uncle, man. This is a guy who's, 
who's been my uncle basically since I was born. He's just been around because I'm an uncle, not to get too deep in my personal life, but I have a friend, two friends who have three kids and they all call me Uncle Scott and I'm not their uncle. And and so, you know, but I mean, I've been around them their whole lives and and I they've always been that that kind of a relationship with me. So I don't we don't know if that's actually Courtney Morgan's uh, nephew or not. But that being said, very strong relationship with Courtney Morgan. And uh, I think Washington has a decent shot of of getting him. I don't remember if he was a flip or not, but uh, I thought Aaron Butler was that guy. But yeah, I think Aaron Butler was too. But I I was just looking up his timeline. Uh, Jet White did decommit from USC uh, on January 3rd of this month. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, I mean, it's, it's, but the the thing about USC is, I mean, they've just, it's almost like throwing a rock and hitting the next best guy. You know, with, with the offense that Lincoln Riley throws out there and, and with his reputation, they're going to be able to go out, out and get guys who are really good. Washington has to work a little bit more. Ryan Grubb and Kevin DeBoer obviously have a really good offense in place as well, but they just don't have the established name recognition like Lincoln Riley does. And so um, it's not quite the same as, as the USC, but yeah, I mean, if, if kids are decommitting from USC and wanting to come to the university of Washington, I don't think that's a bad thing. Yeah. I was going to say Chris Polk rings a bell. That yeah, that's, that's one guy that I remember full on. I'm uh, sure there, Jay, there have been others. Jaden Mickens, Jaden yep. Mickens. There's there's been others. So yeah, yeah ne- never never a problem. That is yeah. never a problem for the Washington Huskies. If they one one more thing, and we might want to talk about this guy a little in a few minutes. Um, if you were going to talk about quarterback recruiting, but Austin Mack, the quarterback from Folsom, was also on campus over the weekend, and I talk I did talk to him as well. Yeah, so. we will definitely bring up Austin yep. Mack's name when we talk a little bit more about the, you know, how is Washington going to fill their spot now that uh, Sam Heward is in the portal. There might even be some breaking news on where Sam goes. Um, mm-hmm. So we'll, we'll see what happens with that. But pay attention, guys. There's a lot of stuff. That, who knows? Breaking news uh, sometimes happens when we're on the pod, when we're recording. So we'll see what happens with that. But we'll take a couple. Uh, we'll take a little break from our uh, and hear from our sponsors. Uh, again, Chris Fetters here with Scott Eklund. You're listening to the guys from Dogman.com. It's the NFL offseason, but on Pick 6, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network, the football season never stops. Host Will Brinson, John Breach, and Tyler Sullivan are joined by analysts like Brady Quinn, Leslie Ducible, Katie Mox, and R.J. White to keep you in the loop on everything happening around the league. Whether it's free agents signing with new teams, the all-important NFL draft, or schedule release day, Pick 6 has you covered. As the face of the league changes with every team move and player pickup this spring, Pick 6 is a must-listen. Download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and anywhere podcasts are found. This is Tony Kornheiser's show. I'm Tony. We expected someone else. So what exactly is the show about? Hmm, I don't know. It's a sports show nominally. Football's over, but we're finally at a point where things matter in college basketball. And baseball season is on deck. Greatest three words in the English language, pitchers and catchers. We have some of the best voices come on and explain what matters or what makes an upset, like Ryan does. (laughs) Nine over eight. No, that's not an upset. No, yeah, it is, Bob. And if you're lucky, I might just tell you about my search for discounted sleep pants or my worries about what my dog just ate. Listen on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, we're back. This is Chris Fetters of Dogman.com here with our recruiting editor, Scott Eklund, who has been knee-deep in working on these junior days, not just for last weekend, which we just broke down, 
but also this weekend, literally as we speak, guys are coming in from all over the country, coming in. I don't know if it's primarily for the junior day. It could be primarily for an event. I know Taylor Barton's putting together a seven on seven, five on five, these types of things going on. Um, help break down what's going on this weekend, Scott, and tell us a little bit about uh, how Washington's taking advantage of some of the events that are happening locally to tie in with their own yeah. Husky experience events. Yeah. So uh, Taylor Barton, former Husky quarterback, uh, has been a quarterback guy, um, you know, developer of quarterbacks in the in the region for a long time. I mean, his dad started things and and then Taylor kind of took it over and and has taken it to new heights. Um, he's run several seven on seven leagues. He's done a lot of different things. Well, this one is a big seven on seven tournament. Um, I can't remember what they're calling it. Um, I want to say it, the battle for the space needle or some, I can't remember exactly what they're, they're calling it, but it's a big event that he's got going on. And um, there's going to be, I want to say roughly 20 to 40 teams. I, I, some of them are junior high teams. So those aren't, you know, the, those teams are playing like earlier in the day and everything like that. But um, FSP is supposedly supposed to be there. Air is supposed to be there. Uh, that's the Reggie Jones and, and uh, Tracy Ford teams. And they're supposed to all be up there and, and taking part in that. Brandon Huffman put up a list of guys that are expected on campus. I expect even more than what he listed. Uh, he listed the top guys. I think there's going to be some other guys who will be stopping by. I think there's some 2026 guys on some of these teams who will be stopping by. But uh, Washington has a lot of the top guys from the 2024 class locally. EJ Kamenong, who's already committed to Washington, the quarterback out of Garfield, will be on campus. Braden Platt, probably the top guy in-state on Washington's board. Uh, linebacker from Yelm just led them to a uh, state title. Uh, helped lead them to a state title last year. Um, Rayshon Clark from Federal Way, um, Kyan McDonald, the corner uh, slash safety from O'Day is going to be on campus. Um, there's a couple uh, other ones without offers from Washington. Jeremiah Wright from uh, uh, from Lyndon Christian, and then um, Peyton Stewart from Kelso is also going to be on campus. And then the other in-state guys. That'll be on campus that are 2025 guys are Tiandre Waverly from um, Kamiak. Mm -hmm. Tight end. Tight end. We saw him at a bunch of practices last year. Yep. And then uh, Peyton Cunningham um, out of North Creek, the the newest Bothell High School. Uh, he's an athlete out of there. And then Graham Capalson tight end. Noah Flores is also there. And, um, you know, they're going to have some big out-of-state guys. Dylan Williams, linebacker out of uh, Long Beach Poly. Uh, Turan Williams out of Muir High School in Anaheim. Um, Peyton Waters out of uh, an athlete out of Van Nuys High School in Birmingham. Um, Corey Hall, that's a guy to keep it. They have we have him listed in the database. He's out of Reseda Cleveland High School, but um, he's listed as a receiver. Washington likes him as a safety, so keep that in mind when we're talking about him. Oaks Christian wide receiver Justice Williams, that's another big time guy. Um, Sarah. Uh, wide receiver Zacharias Williams. He's another big guy. Decker DeGraff, who was a tight end. He was up here last weekend. He wasn't at the University of Washington, but he was at the Pylon event with his seven-on-seven -seven tournament. Then he's making a return trip with his family for this weekend. So that's big. Um, Pocky Finau, um, one of the top offensive linemen that Washington's in really good shape with. Dakota Fields, another cornerback. Uh, Manasseh Etiti, I think is how you say his last name. He's out of Modesto Christian. And then Kyron uh, Condole, out of, uh, a cornerback out of Rancher 
Rancho Cucamonga. So those are just that's just a little bit. Then they got uh, Elijah Rushing. That's another big time guy that Washington's in on five five star edge guy out of out of uh, South Point Catholic down in uh, Arizona. That's the same high school that um, Mateo yeah, Mele went to. Yeah, Mateo yeah. Mele. Yeah. And Bijan Robinson also went there. He didn't go to UW, but he yeah. you know that's a name that a lot of people know as well. So oh, yeah, um, yeah. So they've got a bunch of guys from out of out of region, out of state. Uh, coming up for this so um, I'll be up at that event um, it's going to be happening right in the middle of when the Arizona basketball game is so um, yeah which is a little disappointing because I would think yeah that if you're Courtney Morgan you want this Husky experience to kind of roll at the same time so to bring guys into yeah. the game to you know because why because uh, you know uh, Alaska Airlines Arena should be pretty rocking not completely yeah. sold out uh, I know tickets are going fast, and yeah, there's going to be a lot of Arizona fans there as well. Yeah. But that place should be rocking. I mean, I was I was la- I was at the Arizona State Washington game last night, and um, the fans were into it. I mean, it took a little while because of traffic and everything else for for the thing to fill up. But once Heckhead kind of got rocking a little bit, and and Washington started playing well, that place really got loud. And I know Mike Hopkins talks about it as being. Uh, one of the most unique and, and best atmospheres when the place is packed in a top 10 environment and um, it should be then. Yeah. And that's where well, if you're Courtney Morgan, you'd love for them to be able to see just a glimpse of that, even if just for 10, 15, 20 minutes, because it can make a big impression. Oh, absolutely can. And um, the local guys have all kind of seen that kind of stuff, but they're going to be up at the tournament. But I don't Elijah rushing is not coming up with a seven on seven team. So he's going to be there. He'll be able to be at the game. Yeah, I mean, it, it's not yeah. to say that it's not. Yeah, it's not to say that some of them won't be there. It's just to be they able won't have a huge group there. Yes, correct. Yeah, yeah. What I what I'm curious about, Scott, though, because mm-hmm. this the the first thing when I saw the list of guys that were going to be on campus and around for this coming weekend. Yes, they've got the seven on seven, five on five stuff going on. Taylor Barton obviously puts together phenomenal camps, and and has done so for a long, long time. What I was the first thing that really stuck out to me, though, is that the big difference between last weekend's events and this weekend's events is that now Washington is including the local guys. Mm-hmm. And this is maybe their very, very first press into like, OK, yes, a lot of those guys have already have already been on campus. They've already seen things in the case of guys like EJ Kamenong. You know, he's committed. He's into it. What I'm wondering is we, we spent a good 10, 15 minutes in the previous segment talking about kind of their plan of Washington's plan of attack in terms of laying the foundation and then really getting these guys all together in May and June during their official visits to make the, to make their verbal commitments. And as we saw, we talked about, there was, you know, many, many, many days where there was at least one, if not more than one verbal commitment coming out of those official visits. What I'm wondering is, will they make an extra special push for these local guys just because they know so much about the program already. How much more of a push do you think yeah. that these guys really need guys like Braden Platt guys like Rashawn Clark, Kaya McDonald, we talk about Jason Brown, uh, Kyan's uh, teammate at O'Day. Yeah. You know, there, there's a bunch of guys out there. Do you think they would maybe push for the local guys a little harder than they would guys from maybe out of the region? There's certain guys I could see them making a push on. Uh, Braden Platt would definitely be a guy 
um, that I think they'd make a push on. But I think they're more than happy to let Jason Brown go do his thing and kind of see what he wants to do. I think Washington really likes some of the other running backs that they're on as well. You obviously want to get the best, you know, he's the top guy, top rated guy in the state of Washington. But is he better than the out of state guys that you could get? So, you know, it's just something you got to. It's again this little game of chicken that Washington has to play, you know, and and you also have to treat the other the local kids with love and everything. But um, you know, I I think that that Braden Platt would be a guy. I mean, he's probably at the top of their list regardless of where he's from, as far as being a middle linebacker. And Washington would take and push for him a little bit, but I think they're more than happy to let most of these guys take their visits, do their thing. We don't want you thinking that you missed out. And then later on in the process, want to go take visits and you've been committed to us for five months and we haven't been recruiting guys. So I think they'd rather them wait and not necessarily look what happened with Jackson Jones. I mean, they got a commitment out of him last last fall when he was in the middle of his junior season and then he decommits so that he can go and take visits. Wouldn't you rather have not had him on on your commit list at the time and then maybe reel him in a little bit later? So, yeah, and we saw know. and we saw that for the previous class with some of those guys from Vegas, mm-hmm. like Surmels, who ended up at Oregon. You know, he, yeah. yeah, I mean, early commitments, especially for a team like Washington, can be very, very fleeting. They only have two right now in Kamenong, who we just talked about. And then also one of the other kids from the Vegas area from Liberty High School, which is yep. Troy Fautanu's high school. And uh, Jeremy Landon. Bernard. Yeah, Landon Bell. Yeah, exactly. Jeremy Bernard's from that high school. But Landon Bell is an athlete who I think is coming in as a receiver. Yeah. 6'3", 190. Yeah, so, stud. You know, stud. Yeah, really, at this point, you know, it's very so early in the process for those guys in, in terms of commitments, not necessarily in terms of the recruitment. Recruitment is going full steam, as we've mm-hmm. kind of already spelled out and kind of shown in this podcast. Um but I was kind of curious if they would take it a little different tack with some of the local guys, just because those guys already have their their database of knowledge when it comes to understanding what Washington's about yep. with this new staff is so much more advanced mm-hmm. than, than some it was of the guys last out, some of the guys from outside yeah. the footprint. Yeah, and and I I think that's a good way of looking at it. But you know, Chris, I I really think that this staff thinks that. You know, they they know the, how they want to put the class together. And I think they have a I don't think they're going to push real hard. I think by the end of spring, by the time we get into the the last day of spring football, which we don't quite know yet when that is. But it's probably the either the last weekend of uh, April or the the second to last weekend. It kind of depends on when they decide to start it. But um you know, I, I think by the end of that, you'll probably see we, they've got two commitments now. I could see five guys by the end of by the end of spring football being committed to the University of Washington. And then basically maybe, before official visits really start yes. to take place. Yeah, because official visits can take place from April to June, but Washington won't do official visits until June. Yeah, they, mo- they really like to all. go through their whole evaluation period first before bringing guys yeah. in. It looks and like mo- and and the the plan typically is to get be the last visit if you can be that. Um, right. And before the dead period, and I think that's what Washington would like to do. Um, but they, I think they want to have more guys on campus for official visits during game t- game weekends, sure. and which is a which is different than a lot of the staffs have done because the staff doesn't have as much time to spend with the kids when it's a game weekend because 
you know, I don't know if people know the schedule, but on Friday, the coaches are with the coaches are with the team um, on Friday night. On Saturday, they're obviously coaching all day. Maybe they get to a chance after the game to meet with the players. But if you lose, then it's not as you know, hyped up and stuff that you want it to be. And then on Sunday, you got the coaches have been up all night doing film study so they can, you know, go go through and, uh, you know, doing the cut ups and all that different stuff of where the mistakes that were made and, and looking at the film and all that different stuff. And then they, they have meetings with the players and the players get treatment and all that different stuff. And they go through a light walkthrough. And so there's just not as much time with these recruits. So um, I think they want to get them up on campus for game day experiences, but I think they want the game day experiences before they take an official visit. I think Washington wants to get those last, you know, two or three weekends um, before signing day. And I think they're hoping that they're, they're uh, playing that, that first weekend of December, right. For the uh, um, conference title game. Yeah. So, yep, that's right. So, you know, that would be on a Friday. That's on a Friday. So maybe you bring in kids on Saturday after you've either won or lost the, the but I mean, it's, it's a real kind of, it's real nuanced the way these coaches have to figure out the schedule they want to do. They also have to be talking to these kids. Do you want to make your decision before your senior season? Do you want to wait? Do you want to, are you a guy who says you want to make your decision before your senior season, but then you, are you a guy who's going to still take visits? You know, there's a lot that goes into it and how they plan this out. But like I was saying, Chris, I, I think Washington will probably have four or five guys in the boat. That includes Kamenong and Bell. So four or five guys in the boat by the end of spring football. And then by the end of the summer, like I said, they'd like to have nine to 11 probably with another nine spots open for guys who are going to decide late and who are going to be that those top guys that they can maybe flip from other schools um, cause I remember talking to Brandon Huffman and he only had like, uh, when it came to November, he only had like one four-star guy in the West region that hadn't made a decision yet. And guess who that was? That was Tayshawn Lyons. Yeah. So, you know, we'll, most be, of, we'll be talking about Tayshawn here in a second. Yeah, yeah. But most of those guys, um, are guys who, I mean, most of the big time guys want to commit. So it's, a, it's a real, um, funky game that the Husky coaches have to play and figure out. What's our best strategy for this? Absolutely. And then just to add even more to the timing of the Sorry, end of I rambled, the year stuff, by the way. <laughs> but to the end of the year stuff that you just talked about, think about those schools that get invited to early bowl games who are literally in the process in the middle of their week trying to get their, their team ready for their bowl game and having to go through the mid-year signing period at the yeah. same time. I mean, yeah, that's, that's, absurd. that's, that's why, absurd. Oh, it absolutely is. And, I, and it's why I think that they're going to eventually take away the December signing period. I, I really do. I think I think honestly, it might end up being that first Wednesday of August. If they're going to keep it, they're going to have a first Wednesday of August be the signing day or they're just going to take the, the early signing period away completely and only have National Signing Day the first Wednesday of February be that signing day. Okay, so let's let's go through through some other things here real quick before we wrap stuff up. You know, we've talked about this. I call it Junior Day. You call it Husky Experience, or apparently that's what they're calling it now. Yeah. Let's give people a real quick rundown of what you expect these prospects to see when they're on campus. 
what Washington is going to try to highlight, what Courtney Morgan and the coaches and the recruiting staff, what do you think are going to be their points of emphasis for these guys, not just the local guys, but also the out-of-state guys? Well, when they get on campus, they're going to go right up to the recruiting lounge. That's that big area with the huge windows that's right on the uh, west side of the stadium, right over the right over the stadium. And the, they'll meet with them there. The, the kids will get to play games there. You know, there's ping pong tables. There's pool. There's pool tables there. I, I don't know if there's video games or not, but they they've got a lot of different things up there <clears throat> that the recruits can do. And they'll meet with the coaches for a little bit and then the, they'll get a tour of the facilities. They'll, they might even get to meet with some um, academic advisors um, just talking about how they how they do things, all the support structure that they have. Uh, and then the kids will break the get get a get a view of what it's like to, um, you know, go and sit in team meetings, um, you know, with their coaches. So um, let's say there's 10 wide receivers on campus. Well, Jamarcus Shepard will, will have a team meeting with them. He'll break down, he'll put up film of what Washington does, where he sees different guys. He'll sit down individually with some guys um, for about 10, 15 minutes and, and spend time with them and go through different things, show them cut ups and all that different stuff. Um, and then, um, you know, if they're up with parents, which some will be, um, they'll, they'll, ha- they'll get a chance to sit down with coach DeBoer and talk with him. Um, and then, uh, they'll go about their business. And, um, sometimes the Husky coaches will give them some things to see when they're in the city of Seattle. Um, if they're from out of state, um, you know, they've done a good job of finding out the interests of the kids and the parents and, and all that different stuff. And so, Hey, uh, if you don't like heights, we're not going to send you to the Space Needle, <laughs> you know, kind of thing. Maybe go down to the Pike Place Market. There's a big thing going on down there. I think it's Local Appreciation Day or something like that. Uh, send them down to the market or or they'll they'll say, hey, um, you know, you can go over and see the Ballard Locks or all the different things that you can do in the city of Seattle that are kind of fun, kind of touristy stuff. And, and then they'll follow up with them uh, later on because they can still be out on the road next week. Uh, or no, they can't. Actually, I'm sorry that that wrapped up this week. Um, so um, you know that's that's just kind of what they end up showing them. Um, some kids will get to see the Arizona game, the basketball game, and see how hyped it gets and 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 stuff like that. But realistically, they just want them to understand the culture that is building at Washington, the 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 family atmosphere that they like to engender. They'll get to meet with some of the players. Um, who will answer questions for them and all that different stuff. So a lot of different things go into this stuff. Now, before we go into some specific players that you guys have some news on, I'm very curious to see, because you've already talked to a number of kids from last weekend. I know you're going to be reaching out to a number of the kids that are going to be here this weekend mm-hmm. to see what it's all about. I'm kind of wondering about your general sense in talking to these guys, how much this last season has played into their interest with Washington. Because I know a lot of Washington fans are coming up to us and asking us and say, hey, they just went 11-2. and two. That must mean the recruits are just going to start rolling on in, right? I mean, because mm-hmm. they played so well. They're, there's, they're probably going to be a top 10 uh, team preseason for 2023. Obviously, everything's rolling on, on the field. But how is that playing out right now in terms of the actual recruiting process? It- it definitely has piqued the interest of, at the very least, uh, wide receivers and quarterbacks. Um, you're, you've got a lot of quarterbacks interested in seeing what Washington's doing. You've got a lot of talented wide receivers. So, I mean, Jamarcus Shepard, 
Um, if we were able to sit down and ask him, I bet you he'd say, yeah, this past season made things a lot easier for me on the recruiting trail because there's a lot more kids that are interested in Washington's offense because they can see that they've just had 2,000 yard wide receivers and their quarterback just led the nation in passing. So um, that th- those have been huge for those guys. I don't know if um, I, I think more than anything, especially the out of out of state guys. And, um, you know, I, I think that, uh, you know, the out-of-state guys are like, huh, 11 wins, huh? They're going to be a top 10 team. Why don't I give them a look? I think this is more of it's piqued their interest and made them decide to come. And then now it's up to Washington to build on that 11 wins. If they get 10, 12, 10, 11, 12 wins next season, possibly win a conference title, that's when you'll start seeing – uh, 2025 guys like committing on the, Hey, Washington offered me. I'm, I'm looking, I'm going to be, but I'm going to be rolling in that. But think about it, Chris. I mean, I don't, I haven't looked at what um, Georgia uh, Georgia's class looks like, but kids aren't just, they're not just taking commitments from 15 kids because they've won two straight national titles. I mean, they want to see these guys in, in, in the summer before their, their, their uh, senior season. They want to see how they look. They want to see they want to see if these guys continue to get better or do they say stay the same. Uh, now that now that Georgia's offered, um, I, I'm at the pinnacle of offers from Georgia and Alabama. I've got these offers. Some of these kids don't work hard anymore once they get their offers or make their commitments. So Washington, it isn't like Washington is just going to see a flood of kids, but you're going to see more and more kids being interested in Washington and giving Washington a look. And then it's up to the coaching staff to make them understand this is the place that you want to be because we're going to continue building on this. There's no going back for us. We are going to be national title contenders for the time when you're going to be on campus. Okay, let's finish this up real quick. We've got a couple of quick topics to to round this out with. First of all is Dylan Johnson, the transfer from Mississippi State running back. Uh, you know, if you look at his Twitter account, he's still all about Washington. Washington's in his header, uh, all that stuff. He's using it as his profile picture. Everything looks like it's kind of business as usual, but at the same time, he has looked around. He's gone to other places. What is the latest with Dylan Johnson? You know, Dylan Johnson, that <laughs> that one's just it, it's a tough read right now. I think Washington's going to end up with him. I put a little a little blurb uh, post up there that I had talked to him and he told me that Washington's coaches and him have been talking back and forth and doing a lot of discussion. Washington's actually in home later today with him. It's the last day that the coaches can be out on on uh, out on the road. <clears throat> so um, he's going to, you know, he's really going to. Um, think about things. He's got a five month old and he's in the mother that he's still with, I believe. And um, they're they're planning to move wherever he ends up. They're planning to move to at some point in June. So um, and Washington is is definitely the favorite right now. I think um, a big thing is going to be how this tonight goes. And if they're able to lock him in and say, hey, we want we, we know we want you. Um, you need to get up here and, and be part of this. Um, then, you know, he'll, he'll wind up a Husky. I, I think the odds are very much in Washington's favor right now. A lot of it's going to depend on if someone else comes in with some stupid NIL money. And I just don't see that happening. It would have happened by now if it was going to happen. 
Okay, so. fair enough. And then all of a sudden, we <laughs> the, the the regular signing period day, the first day of it, we're mm-hmm. less than a week away from it. It's amazing how quickly it's all of a sudden, you know, you're thinking mid-December, yep. second, third week in December, you're going through the holidays, Christmas is right there. You're thinking, oh, man, February, it's so far away. It, we're literally less than a week away right now. I know. I know. I, I, it was actually, funny. I actually thought about that. And I was like, holy crap. I've yeah. got so much I got to do. And the funny part about it is as much as schools want to get 95 to 100 percent of their business done during the mid-year signing period, things with the portal change that. And then obviously there's still that smaller kind of more, I would say, elite, but maybe, maybe not. But I would say elite kind of crop of high school kids who have waited to take official visits in January, go through the pros and cons of all this stuff, and then make their final decision. Washington still has some guys out there that they're looking at to finish out their 2023 class. Obviously, the primary primary one is Tayshawn Lyons, the receiver out of of Northern California. You know, what's going to happen come Wednesday morning? Are are we going to see a letter of intent? from Tayshawn Lyons is there going to be other guys because now with Sam Heward out in the transfer portal, Washington needs a quarterback. So what should Washington, basically this is me a long winded way of saying, Scott, what should Washington fans be looking for Wednesday morning? Well, Tayshawn Lyons is the big, is the big uh, news. Um, There might be a quarterback that Washington decides to take a flyer on that we don't know about right now. Um, But you know, I, I think Tayshawn Lyons is the big news that we're looking for on Wednesday. Um, and then, um, you know, maybe Dylan Johnson, but like we've noted before, he's not going to sign anything. So, you know, it, it's going to just be, you know, does he show up in March? But um, well, And to be fair to Dylan, yeah. it's not like he officially decommitted or nope. – he, he has gone to other places, and it's clear that he's exploring his options. But again, like I said, if you if you go back and look on his Twitter account, it's all you dub. Yep. So it's yeah, so it's not like from from the yeah. from the public perception, it's not like really anything has changed much with him. Even though, as you as you rightly point out, he he could end up going somewhere else before spring football. Yeah. So and, and it's that's always possible. But I I still think Washington ends up with him. But we'll we'll just have to wait and see. But Tayshawn Lyons is really the big the big the last big name that that needs to uh, sign his letter of intent. He's still committed to Washington. He's still on the commitment list, just hasn't signed yet. And uh, that's the one we're expecting on on Wednesday. But if you guys want to I mean, we're going to still have the board open. Right, Chris? And yes. you we'll, and I will open the sign. We'll we'll yeah. put the signing day board up. Yeah. You and I will still be on. We probably won't be on early, not five o'clock like we were in December. No, because the earliest that Tayshawn Lyons could send in his letter of intent will be seven o'clock in the Correct. morning. Correct. Because he's on West Coast time. That's why. That's why. Hey, you know, I want UW to get the best guys they can and everything like that. That's that's important. But that's why if David Jones signs. That could make you know commits to Washington. <laughs> that could make things really early for us on signing day in December. I mean, we we might have to be up at four o'clock in the morning, Chris. So. Oh yeah, no, there were some, you know obviously the guys back east, the guys in Texas, you know, we like Curly Reed from Louisiana, you know those guys. Yeah, they were said, five o'clock, yeah. Yeah, they, those were five o'clock. Elenius Davis from Minnesota, yep. the five mm-hmm. o'clock guy. So there's there's a number of guys that we were having to get up at five o'clock in the morning for we. Thankfully, we won't have to really worry about that 
um, unless something odd happens. And again, I think it ultimately boils down to this quarterback question. Jaden Rashad is out there. Everyone knows his high profile story with not getting paid at Miami, not getting paid at Florida. He's opened up his recruitment. He got a release to his letter from Florida. He's out there shopping around. I think he's been to maybe he's going to TCU or he's been to TCU. I think Arizona State's in the mix. Cal might be in the mix. Um, Washington's clearly in the mix because they were one of his top schools before he made his initial verbal commitment to Miami. Um, You know, if if, if I had to put a gun to your head and and zero was a zero percent chance and and 100 is a 100 percent chance that he that he ends up signing with Washington, what what what's the number that you're putting on Jaden Rashada right now? Oh boy, four <laughs> out of a hundred. <laughs> oh, out of a hundred. I'm sorry, I was doing out of ten. Sorry, forty uh, okay. percent chance maybe. Okay. I hate it when you when when I I do percent because I actually saw odds. I actually Scott, I actually saw odds that saw him at South Washington as maybe like the third team in terms of the the odds of him going uh-huh. signing with a particular school. I think they were the third option at this point, which I think is fair. I, I I just get the sense that as good as Rashada is, and I think as much as Washington would want to have that guy, I just think there's so many unsettled aspects to what's going on with him in Florida right now that I, I don't know if that's necessarily scaring teams off, but that could end up being a protracted deal that really ends up being a huge distraction. And I just yeah. don't I just wonder if that is something that's holding teams off from really going gung ho on him. Yeah, I, I mean, I've seen a lot of people. I've tried to stay out of it, uh, you know, let people vent or or have their their say on things, you know. And I've seen a lot of people saying that the kid's only out for the money, you know, this is ridiculous and things like that. But think about it: if you're promised thirteen million by a school and you sign with them, and now they're like, "Oh, we were just kidding. We don't have that." Right. Oh no. It's I mean, bait and switch. if you're promised something, yeah, it's bait and switch. Yeah. I I do not blame him at all for being upset with them. You know, he he had a place at Miami. Florida came in and gave him a better package and he was like, "All right. Yeah, I I it's basically in the same area, obviously not. I mean, it's North Florida or Northern Florida versus South Florida. But you know, it's it's the same state, you know, it's it's a high profile school, all those different things. Why wouldn't I go? Why wouldn't I take an extra? I think it was like five million more than what Miami was offering him. Why wouldn't you take that? And he felt like he had a good relationship with him. And then they reneged on it. I don't blame the kid at all for for decide. I mean, maybe you could blame him for flipping from Miami to to uh, Florida. But when someone's offering you five million more to do the same thing. What, why wouldn't you take that? Yeah. So, you yeah. know, and I mean, and you don't want to play for a meathead like Mario Cristobal, but that's a completely different story. So, um, you know, I I guess I don't have a problem with what he's done considering what this what happened. And um, but, yes, it could be a distraction, Chris. It absolutely could be. And if he's only looking to bring in money, I don't I just don't see Washington bringing in a high school kid and promising him a bunch of, you know, multi-millions of dollars when they're not doing that for guys who are established starters for their own team. I just don't see that happening. 
I think I think we can say without complete 100% knowledge of the situation, Michael Penix is not getting that kind of money. No. <laughs> you know, Troy Faltani is not getting that kind of money. Braylon Trice is not getting that kind of money. Jalen McMillan's not getting that kind of money. Roma Dunze is not getting that kind of money. These guys are guys that are that are all Americans. And if you're all Americans aren't making, they're not even making a fraction of that. And all of a sudden people want to believe that a guy like a high school quarterback is going to be guaranteed that much. Yeah. Now, his deal at Florida could have been completely incentive laced or backloaded. It, yeah, backloaded. It could have been over the entirety of his career. You know, those types of things make total sense to me. But just this idea that people think that he was going to show up at Gainesville and all of a sudden get a check for $13 million. Yeah, that that that's not reality. That's in fact, that's nowhere even in, within the vicinity yeah. of reality. Nope. Um, the last question that I know is on Washington fans minds. And then we'll close it up with this one, because I think it's obviously the question now that Sam Heward is in the portal from zero to 100. What's the number that you're going to put on Washington signing a quarterback before spring football? 30. So you think, so seriously, I know Austin, we talked about Austin Mack. Mm -hmm. He's probably the top 2024 high school kid on the board right now from Folsom High School, Jake Browning's high school. Mm -hmm. So they could be digging, they could be going in the well to to get, uh, go to Folsom, get that guy. So you think there's a, there's a chance they literally could just stick with Michael Penix Jr. and Dylan Morris as your scholarship quarterbacks in April. I, I think there's a I think there's a better chance than than better than 50 percent chance. Yes, that they stick with, two. And it, I don't know if that's a by choice or just they haven't found the right guy, you know, to bring in because they're not going to offer a scholarship to somebody just to have a body. And they've got a couple quarterbacks that they like that are walk-ons. Um, one of them was that Oregon City kid, and I'm well, Cam, yeah, Steeler. But is he? I know he yeah. was he was injured, and I know that yep. that that affected him for most of the season. Will he be a hundred percent healthy? I think yeah, is the ex- biggest question. Yeah, exactly. You're right. If he's a hundred percent healthy, that's a guy. I we all know that Ryan Grubb is very high on, mm-hmm. and we know that yep. he would love to really develop him and get him into the into the frame a little bit but is he 100 percent healthy to yeah. do that that's a huge question and and that's something we don't know but yeah. it, you know the i i just think that the they're not going to bring in somebody and there are some other things the the portal is going to open up again in uh may 1st through the 15th i think is what it is and washington will have a chance to to get in the mix for for another quarterback. But the thing that they're looking at is they're whoever they bring in has to be happy competing for the backup job at the university of Washington. They're not going to be competing with Michael Penix. It's the reason Sam Heward left because he knew that there was no chance unless Michael Penix got hurt and no one's wishing that happen, that to happen. But unless Michael Penix gets hurt, this is his team. And everybody who comes in knows that. So you're going to have to be willing to to battle for the backup job and be ready to go if Michael Penix gets hurt and then be willing and then battle with Dylan Morris in 2024 for the, the right to start. And the only guys you're going to get in are going to be underclassmen that are going to be willing to do that. No senior quarterbacks are going to be willing to do that. It, it's just not going to happen. 
if, if a senior gets passed up by a, a, a younger guy on his roster and decides to enter the portal, he's looking for a place to go play. He does right. not want to go to a place that he has to be the backup. But he was and, very clear about that. Yeah. And, and so, well, but that, that's Sam Heward, but I'm talking any senior who comes in is not going to want to do that either. So unless they are oh, right. I mean, even, yeah. even Patrick O'Brien, sorry to yeah. interrupt, but even Patrick O'Brien, when he came from Colorado state, he did it with the idea of not just competing head to head with Sam Heward and Dylan Morris, but winning that job. Uh-huh. Now he didn't end up winning that job, but he's, you certainly don't, go into a new situation like that as a grad guy with the idea that, Oh yeah, I'm just going to sit here and just ride it and just go to class. Yeah. No, that that's all. Yeah. That's obvious. They're not here to play school. That's right. <laughs> so, so um, I think it's going to be, I just think it's going to be re- You are really going to have to find the right guy. And I don't mean just a guy who is an underclassman. I don't mean a guy who's experienced. I mean, you're going to have to find the right kind of guy that you think you can work with and is willing to work behind the scenes um, as a guy and might even be the third quarterback. He could be behind Dylan Morris if Dylan Morris beats him out. So, and Dylan Morris beat out a five-star guy, another local five-star guy. So it isn't like Dylan Morris is, and he's got starting experience. So it isn't like Dylan Morris isn't, isn't a guy who's got a lot of cachet in his own right. He does. So, um, yeah, it, I, I just think it's going to be, I will be surprised if it happens. It could happen. I will just be very surprised if there's somebody brought, brought in to be a part of spring football. Um, by the time we, we roll around, uh, March 26th is when, uh, the, um, spring quarter starts. So. Yeah. Know. It's interesting too, Scott, to go with that. I thought there was a potential Camden Sermon might get moved back to quarterback if that eventuality occurred, but instead he's actually moved from running back to receiver now. Mm -hmm. So that was a really interesting move and we can certainly talk about that down the road, but yeah, I think that'll be the biggest question moving forward is not just seeing how things fall out or, or finish out with guys like Dylan Morris and Tayshawn Lyons, um, you know, with the signing day coming up, but, the idea of what are they going to do at quarterback? That's going to be kind of the question that's going to be sitting there above the heads of the staff as they start to move into April, because man, if they only have two scholarship quarterbacks going into spring, that that's crazy. Yeah. Um, I, I can't remember a time where that's been the case. Cause I remember times when you'd go into spring with guys with coaches like Steve Sarkeesian, where you could have five scholarship quarterbacks Yeah. and it was, and it was a free for all. It was an absolute bloodbath. Um, and you're right that because the top of the of the depth chart is so set with Michael Penix because he's 100 percent healthy now. He went through an entire season healthy. Those are huge questions a year ago that we were asking because when because when Penix signed with Washington, the only question had nothing to do with his talent, had nothing to do with his skill, had nothing to do with the relationship that we already knew that he had with Kalen DeBoer. It was all about, can he make it through a season healthy? And he mm-hmm. did that. So now, basically, it's wide open. Now he's a, now he's a, he went from being a fringe Heisman candidate in 2023 to now being a front runner and a guy that should be in New yeah. York, you know, uh, 11 months from now or where, whenever that happens. So um, and just wrap it up some final thoughts if you have any. Uh, otherwise, 
uh, so much to chew on with this podcast. Yeah. I hope you dub fans uh, can can kind of sort of all this stuff out because there was certainly a lot to talk about today. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, it's going to be another I think it'll be another successful weekend for the Huskies. Um, I think that uh, you'll see them make some headway with some guys and I'll be touching base with quite a few of them um after after they get done it's probably going to be more like sunday monday tuesday when we get a hold of a lot of these kids but uh yeah I, I think it's another great way for washington to sell the program i think it's i think you'll see some other guys come in in, in other weekends but these are the the last big ones that you're going to see come in um you know and and i think it's going to be a lot of fun to kind of track this and see how many of these guys who took these early visits end up taking official visits and then end up committing to the University of Washington. It's going to be real interesting to keep an eye on that. Yeah, obviously. And you've already laid out the marker. You think there's going to be roughly five or six guys before the official visits start. So I think, you know, a week or so from now, we're going to have to get back together, Scott. We're going to rehash and recap what happened this weekend and find out kind of how things are going to evolve moving, moving forward as not just, because we're also, you know, bottom line is there's still going to be the signing day that we're going to need to talk about. So even a week from now, there's still going to be a lot of recruiting stuff that we're going to need to digest and talk about uh, moving forward. Because it's not going to be just about 2024 now, guys. It's going to still be about how the 2023 class finishes up. There may still be some walk-on guys that are that are thinking long and hard about maybe coming to Washington. I don't know what Washington's number is going to be in terms of the number of walk-ons that they want to bring in for the 2023 class. We know it's at six right now. Maybe it could be even more than that. So there's still so much that we can talk about. So I think in a week or so, we're going to catch up. I'm going to catch up with Scott again, and we're going to hash out all the stuff that's going to happen in this week, because there's going to be a ton more to talk about then. And maybe, maybe Kim will wake up and, and be able to be with us next time. Oh, well, Kim had, Kim had a late <laughs> night with the basketball game. Well, I so did you. Night. I know I had a late night with the basketball game. It's not a big deal, but you know what? When stuff needs to be talked about, Scott, we got to get on the mic. We got to get it out there so that people can hear what's going on yeah. because there's so much to talk about. Hey, we wouldn't be Dogman if we weren't busting each other's chops a little bit, right? There you go. Exactly. Yeah. So for Scott Eklund, recruiting editor of Dogman.com, this is Chris Fetters. Go Dogs. <laughs> Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. normal what's normal the paramount plus original series evil returns we've already hunted werewolves demons and now what a baby antichrist <laughs> prepare yourself you will not beat us for the end i have visions of hell make it stop make it shut up you're not gonna survive this evil the final season streaming may 23rd only on paramount plus